Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. A few days ago, I received a phone call in the office asking for help. This is not an uncommon occurrence, and certainly not uncommon this time of year. This particular person on the other end of the line asked for coats for her daughters, who range from quite small to middle school age. The excellent Michael Barker and the Servant Ministry Committee immediately swung into action, and very soon I was on my way to the mother's home with four new winter coats. Before I embarked, I received an odd message. The mom texted me to say that when I arrived, she could run out to the car and get them from you if you don't want to get out. I replied that I was more than happy to bring them to her door. And shortly thereafter, we met at her home. I gave her the coats. We exchanged Christmas blessings, and I returned to the chapel. I live a privileged life. If I am honest, I have never wanted for anything. And I have never, thanks be to God, needed to ask a friend or a stranger for significant help. But helping your neighbor used to be the norm. In scripture, among the nomadic peoples of the world, or when Henry Vick knocked on the John Storm's door that fateful night, as we read in the letter to the Hebrews, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. I remember a buddy of mine was once stuck in a massive traffic jam on the interstate. And after sitting still for quite some time, he got out of the car to investigate what might be amiss. When he had returned to the car, he had no better idea what was going on. But a fellow traveler had given him a slice of watermelon. He was happier than a pig in a poke. However, in today's world of fear and suspicion, we rarely find ourselves engaging with the stranger. And this person, my sister in Christ, who asked nothing for herself but only for a coat for her child, assumed that I would not enter her home or connect with her in a real way. That is a tragic comment on the state of our society. And yet, in and amongst our world, we hear once again tonight the words of Luke. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And earlier this evening at the children's service, the young ones cried out in their loudest voices, let every heart prepare him room. That phrase, from joy to the world. We don't seem to have room for each other anymore. We may disagree with each other. We may cheer different or worship different or think different or love different or just be different. And yet we don't make room for those who are different. I don't know about you, but I'm just plain weird. But on this hallowed night, when we are asked to make room for he who was born without a room, his heart rejoices when we make room for others. That being said, for whom is it most difficult to make room? Those whom we love? 
Those whom we have a hard time loving. Those whom we don't understand. Those who live half a world away. Or, or is the person most difficult to make room for is Jesus himself. Not that we don't love Jesus. We do. Not that we don't go to church. We do. Not that we don't reach out in various ways to the hurting and the hungry. We do. But do we believe? Do we truly believe that Jesus wants to have a place in our room, in our heart? Do we feel unworthy to receive this Jesus, the God who wants to share a life with us? is the most difficult person to make room for ourselves. Justin Welby is the Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the entire Anglican communion of which the chapel is a proud part. Justin Welby posted something rather odd on Instagram this afternoon. There are two words I never thought I would use in the same sentence, Archbishop and Instagram. The image was of these words written in his own hand, Emmanuel, God with us. But the image he shared, the words he shared, were upside down. I had to turn my phone 180 degrees in order to read it. And the profound caption read, the Christmas story is so familiar, it's easy to forget it turns the whole world upside down. For God just wanted to be with us. This is God saying that there are no people I will refuse to love. This is God saying there are no places I won't bless. This is God saying whoever is outcast, you will find me among them. This is God saying things don't have to be neat and tidy for me to love them. God meets us wherever we are, however messy. If you're embarrassed or ashamed... God is neither. The gift of Christmas is that God loves us. I've said that before and I'll say it again. The gift of Christmas is that God loves us. The very God who made the heavens and the earth, the very God who lit the stars and carved the mountains and the seas, the very God who led his people out of bondage in Egypt, the very God who appeared to Abraham and Moses And Jacob, that God, you know, God, God loves you and you and even you and also me. And despite the mess that we live in, despite what we may have done in the past, despite feeling like an imposter most every day, God is with us in our mess. And he loves that mess and he loves us despite our mess. I wish I could impress you tonight with some deep and poetic theological insight. But the truth is just that simple. God loves us. And maybe that's all the profundity we can handle these days. This Christmas night, make room for God. Make room in your life for the God who loves you became incarnate fully human and entirely human in Jesus to know us better than we know ourselves. 
Make room for the God who wants nothing more than for us to know how much we are loved, to share that love with our neighbor. Let every heart prepare him room. Amen.